Jack, Jack. Hi. Jack, how are you, man? Doing solid. It's been a minute. They talk about sports and pop culture for two different points of view. A father and a son disagree on with Spagalicious attitude. Today's top story is breaking up down through a generation gap. Listen to him talk about the NFL. Listen to him talk Doja Cat. According to the Osbournes. Yeah. According to the Osbournes. Yeah. Jack, it has been more than a minute since we have gotten together. In fact, the last show was two weeks and a couple of days ago. We've had a couple of listeners reach out to ask if we had stopped. And I kind of felt bad that we didn't give a heads up last time because we sort of knew it would be the last one for a while. Jack, do you care to tell the folks where you were? I was in D.C. He was in D.C. for the entire week. And, you know, well, it's a school trip, right? Yes. Yes. Did you did you enjoy your time in our nation's capital? I had a good old time. Did you? Yeah. What was I your did. favorite thing about Washington D.C.? Um, probably we had a ghost tour at night, and it was in Georgetown. A ghost tour. Well, and there was there was um, we were sitting down at like a stoplight. Yeah. And we all had our black ski masks on, spooking out the people at the stoplight. That was my favorite part because everything else was boring. I don't even know how to react to this because I'm not even sure what you're talking about. Like everyone on the bus? Is that what you're saying? Everybody? No, no. Like we were sitting down like on the ghost tour like while he was like saying like a scary thing that was not scary. I got you. Where, where, where was the alleged ghosts? Like where were they? Was I it? don't. I forgot. <laughs> I'm really glad that, that, that the field trip was so interesting and educational. Yep. It was our nation's capital, and I remember texting you and Sam and Kirby saying, hey, are you listening to the State of the Union? And one of you all came back, oh, is that going on tonight? And I'm like, y'all are in D.C. How do you not know that? What's that? The, the, the State of the Union was delivered the very night you're in the nation's capital. Y'all don't even know what's going on. Like Sam said something like, is there a riot? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if there's a riot. Well, that was me. Did you think there was a riot? There was like some weird like thing they said was going on. It was the State of the Union. Oh. Okay. Yeah, well, good. Well, let's let's move on from... What's that, though? I'm confused. The State of the Union? Yeah. I may have to cut that. You know what? I'm going to keep no, this. I'm yeah. Gonna, yeah, I'm going to keep it in. The State of the Union is when the President of the United States addresses the American citizens, and get this, gives a State of the Union. He, he talks about how the country's doing, and, and this State of the Union focused largely on... You know, the the Russian-Ukraine war. How often do you give a State of the Union? Uh, pretty often. I want to say they're once a year. Should we fact-check that? I think we should. Hang on. Okay, I thought so. It's just one of those questions once it was asked. I was like, huh. But yeah, it's it's every year. It's annual, and it's usually like in January or in February. And it's kind of a big deal, and you guys were in D.C., and I thought maybe you guys would be in touch with it, but, um, you know. Not a... Yeah, you guys are too busy wearing, I guess, black ski masks to scare... No, skis, yeah. yeah, all right. Well, let's let's switch gears a little bit, because we've got a lot to talk about. Jack, we want to talk about Tennessee basketball, touch on the Calvin Ridley, and maybe a couple of other NFL stories, huge NFL day. Um, I don't know, you've got Jack's five stats, we've got the SEC tournament predictions to talk about. I think it makes sense to tackle Tennessee basketball first. Do you agree? Yes, I agree. Here's how I want to start this segment. The last show we did was actually in Hilton Head, and you got to give me some props for what I called it. What'd you call? We went four and zero. Oh, you're right. You you are you are right. I think I said we'd go three and one. You're exactly right. 
we had after that Arkansas loss, we had a road win against Missouri. We had a huge win against Auburn at home. Then I think we had a road win against Georgia, and then we closed out with golly a squeaker over Arkansas. So we were four and zero. You were correct. A squeaker against Auburn. Oh, no, Arkansas. Yeah, no, no, no. We we walked the dog on Auburn. We didn't walk the dog on Auburn. We beat Auburn soundly. We the the, the Arkansas games when they came back. You're playing golf that ga- that day, so you may not uh, recall all the details. But that's the, I was actually playing lacrosse. You're playing the cross, but then the second half, I'm texting you while you're on the golf course to tell you what's happening. Remember that? I mean, I was also following along, so. There you go. Yeah, you did. You watched the last little bit. I think you knew the, uh, I think you knew everything that was going on. And what was going on was almost an epic choke. But I, I want to back up away from that because this is what my, what my real point was. Even though Tennessee lost to Arkansas in Arkansas, we put out a podcast that said 10 things to love about this team. I was on record as saying, man, I'm not that worried about it. And similarly, I'm not that worried about the second half collapse against against Arkansas. I think this is a really, really good team, and I think we're going to make noise for a lot of different reasons. Um, but I want to get your take. Uh, against Arkansas, Tennessee was just up huge in the first half. I mean, it was 24. It was 24 in the second half. They were up huge in the first half and then extended it. Or it might have been twenty four in the it was, first half. It was forty four to twenty, and we were listening to Bert. Oh, that's right. Kennedy had hit like two or three in a row. Yeah, and like high hit one. Yeah, exactly. So we couldn't miss. I think we were nine of twelve, and I would be getting actually nine of eleven in the first half from three. Yep. yep. Okay, yeah, I thought it was nine of twelve, but whatever. Shooting lights out. Did not play nearly as well offensively in the second half. Did not have a field goal in the last six minutes. Started to kind of choke up at the free throw line. Had huge turnovers. Zakai had one. I saw. Uh, Zakai had one what? Huge turnover. Yeah, and then he also, dude. Zakai went two of four from the line in crunch that's time. That's not a. That's that's very unusual it, for it, for it him. is it is super super unusual. And I tell you what else was unusual was, um, Folky missed one, and and that's not, I saw that. That's not in itself super unusual, but I'm going to pull up a little stat that's going to surprise you. Um, and this stat pertains to. SEC play only, okay? So I'm gonna I'm gonna list four guys in SEC play, and you tell me who you think the best free throw shooter of them is, okay? Okay. Santiago Vescovi, Josiah Jordan James, Zakai Ziegler, John Fulkerson. I mean, this has to be a trick question. Well, just answer it how any, however way you think. I'm going to go with John Fulkerson. Okay, it's not, but he's very good. He's at 79.5 percent in SEC play. Okay. It's, s- yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, I just say it can be Josiah. So. It, it's not, but he's very, very solid. He's at 82.5% in SEC okay. play. I mean, I got to go with Zakai. He's 86.6% in conference. So for him to go two of four in the final minutes of that game was astonishing. Santiago Vescovi, 80%. Think about that for a second. And this is why I want – well, this is one thing I want to focus on is our one through four play. You've got Zakai. You've got Santiago Vescovi, Josiah Jordan-James, and Kennedy Folky. Chandler. Hold, hold on. I'll get to Kennedy. And Folky. Zakai at 87%. I'm going to round up. Santi at 80%. Josiah Jordan-James at 83%. And Folky at 80%. Those are four. Regular players that are at 80% or above from the free throw line at SEC play. Guess what Kennedy Chandler is? I mean, it's got to be like 65. 55%. Wow. Yeah, 
percent. Knew I knew it was in the, I knew it had to be like the sixties, but not the fifties. He's got to figure like that's got to be mental. There's no way he, he shot a higher percentage from three against Arkansas than he did from the free from I mean, the free throw he line. He shot five of six from the field, five of six from three. That's all he shot was threes. There you go, and that's that is the it, like if I'm worrying about Tennessee's chances in the SEC tournament or in the NCAA tournament, I would point to the lack of two-point production. We've got plenty of three-point production, but sometimes if we can't hit the three, can we hit the two-point shot? Sometimes we just flat if out Josiah is on, If Josiah is on with that little shot, but he's not been on. Like. Well, he's, he hasn't, he hasn't. I mean, Josiah's been playing some very complete basketball, and, you know, I, I, I love Josiah Jordan-James. Ben McKee of the Swain event has an interesting theory about Josiah Jordan-James. Have I told you this? Who was Jason? Ben McKee, Jason what? Swain's co-host. He says this. He says, I consider Josiah Jordan James a litmus test to see if someone knows what they're talking about with basketball. Is a litmus test like the acid or base? I- exactly. So in other words, this tells him whether someone knows a lot about basketball or doesn't know a lot about basketball. So you're saying like someone that says he's always terrible doesn't know a lot about That's basketball. what Ben McKee would say. Ben yeah. McKee would say... I, I could see that because he fills it up on the stat sheets. He, he does all these little things that people don't understand. He's a lockdown defender. And by the way, he did not make the all-SEC all defensive team, which is a travesty of justice. He's the best defender. Zakai did, and... Even Zakai would tell you that Josiah Jordan James is a better um, defender than than Zakai is, and Zakai is great on defense. And, and and we play great defense. But all of this is available on Rocky Top Insider if you want to read about all the SEC all team uh, selections. Um, but getting back to the point, and that is, if there's anything I would worry about as it pertains to Tennessee, I would say it's their ability to create two points. Two point shots. If the three's not falling, I think you're right. I think Josiah Jordan James is the logical one to kind of step up and create that. Here's the other thing I worry about Tennessee with: when you put in Zakai, you've got here's your one through four. You've got Kennedy and Zakai, kind of the one. So one of those, the one, um, and one of them, the other one. And then basically, you've got Kennedy, you've got Zakai, you've got um, Santiago, and you've got Josiah Jordan James. That's your one through four. Okay. Yep. And just name a five. It could be Folky if you wanted to go small. It could be. I mean, the perfect guy would be Kamala because yeah, well, he can shoot it, 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 it a little. It, 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 but anyways, I'll say no, no. Olivier's missed. There's no I'll question. I'll say Huntley Hatfield. Yeah, whoever it is. Like here's what it is. You can get away without a five in today's game. You can't get away without a one or two. And the reason why you can get away without a five, a bona fide five, if you're Tennessee, is that you've got a lot of pretty good fives you can throw at them. Euros is effective and does what Euros does. You know, he's muscle. He's a little bit of rebound. He's not really a great offensive player. Great teammate. You get... um, I was going to say Meshack. His minutes have kind of been replaced by... He's not a five. A do. I I agree. A do is, though. Yep, I and, do is. Yeah, and I mean, he plays tough minutes. Huntley Hatfield plays tough minutes. So we can throw some fives at people. I'm, I am. That's why Auburn will not do well. They don't have really any good guards. And let's save that for the SEC uh, prediction because I, I agree with you there. Um, but th- this, this is my entire thing on Tennessee basketball and why I'm so bullish on them. A few things. Number one, we have outstanding point guard play. Number two, aside from Kennedy Chandler, like I just mentioned, we're shooting great from the free throw line. So that was an aberration, what happened to, um, to awesome. Tennessee at, yep. The, at, yep. at the end of that game. Number three, and this is huge, and this is not something Rick Barnes can say has happened every year under his, under his watch here in Knoxville. Tennessee's playing its best basketball right now. 
That is absolutely right. And, and that has not happened before. He hasn't had a team that's kind of gelled at the right time. He's had teams that have gelled too early. And, yeah, I mean, I guess another thing I would mention is this team rebounds really, really well. They out-rebounded. Look at, look at Huntley Hatfield and Josiah Jordan-James. I mean, good grief. Josiah. We killed uh, Auburn. freaking Auburn, oh, yes, 52 I, to 31. Yeah, yeah, we out-rebounded them by 20-plus. Exactly. This team will rebound. So there, and then let's not forget this. We play nasty defense, okay? Yeah, we're not so, we're not letting a team score more than seventy on a good on a on an average night. We're not letting a team score more than sixty five on an average night. So you get nasty guard play. Um, you you, you nasty defense, nasty, good free throw shooting, ex- best basketball right now. Exactly, looking good, looking good. Exactly. So I'm bullish on Tennessee. I'm not afraid to say it, man. I think Tennessee is going to play deep into the SEC tournament. They only have to win one game to get to the semis, and that's exactly what I think they will do. I think they'll get to the semis. I'm going to talk more about what will happen after that in our SEC tournament prediction, but let me tell you about the NCAA. I think Tennessee gets the right draw, and they are an absolute threat to do a lot of damage. I absolutely think Tennessee will go to the Sweet 16 this year. I can't say that, so I just can't. I hear you. I don't want to get my hopes up. I understand, and a lot of people kind of busted my chops. I've been sharing that with, you know, like, oh, you can't say that. And here's my thing. I'm just not not afraid to say, hey, you know what? That's realistic with this team. This is what we should expect of this team. We should expect it, but I can't expect it. Yeah, Man, you're listening. You're a battered Volf. You have... BVFS, battered vol fan syndrome. You need to let go. You need to. I believe. can't let go when it's been going on since I was born. I understand that, but listen. You know what tournament basketball is all about? What? It's getting a shot at the pinata, and if you hit that pinata enough times, one of these times it's going to break. One of these times we're not going to be put, you know, in a draw that has us face a team that has America's favorite nun praying for it. Okay, like one of these times, like Loyola. Yes, one of these times we're not going to just find ourselves in these weird snares one of these times it's going to break our way and i hate to go full sheep on the listener but i think it's this year and i think it's this year because this is the team to take advantage of it we need to play confidently and play well in the sec tournament we don't have to win but we need to play confidently and play well we need to get to saturday and then we need to have a decent draw in the ncaa tournament and i'm telling you what man i think the sky's the limit for this team Okay. Okay. All right, let's switch gears. Speaking of the sky's the limit, Calvin Ridley. Sky is not the limit for him right now. And he, he, oh, yeah. Why don't you uh, go ahead and tell Calvin Ridley, the wide receiver for the uh, Atlanta Falcons. Dude, he's, he's suspended for the year. He, he will not play in the, NFL, in the 2022 NFL regular season, well, the NFL season period. Um, gambling, Jack. I mean, that's just that's just low. Why do you think it's low? Because my my take on this might surprise you. He, I mean, he's making. I saw like a, a a meme that said this was one of the worst bets of all time. Like, I mean, he's making fifteen hundred dollars and he's losing eleven million dollars. Right. Because well, that was. Yeah, and I love that you're getting a lot of your info from memes. Okay? I don't really care. It's facts. <laughs> it, it, it's it's a humorous. Look at what I call the upside downside theory. His upside, it actually wasn't fifteen hundred because he's playing parlays. So his upside was probably several thousand dollars. Downside, as you pointed out, he lost eleven million dollars. What do you think about the suspension? Do you have any thoughts? You you may not. I mean, this has never really happened in my time, so I I don't I don't really know how to judge whether it was a fair punishment or not. But 
the punishment was definitely necessary. No, I a, a big punishment. To- totally agree with that. Let, let me let me lay some facts down for you. The, the case against him, it's pretty cut and dry. He downloaded and created an account on a sports book. I think it was Hard Rock. It was their mobile app. He did this in November. This was after he took time away from the game for his mental health issues. Okay, he placed three, five, and eight game parlay bets over five days. And those parlays did include bets on the Atlanta Falcons. Okay, so the NFL has gone to great lengths to say, hey, listen, there, there's no gambling. I mean, it, it, like the that's N- just the rules. It's the rules. I mean, for a long time, NFL tried not to get to, to go to Las Vegas. They didn't want a, a presence in Las Vegas. I think the NFL was very leery about the legalization of online casinos and online uh, gaming entities like DraftKings, FanDuel, things like that. But now the NFL, it's funny, you fast forward, they've got a team in Vegas. They, they are getting so much advertising money from these companies. Hey, Jack, the NFL is wildly popular, and one reason is because it translates so well to gambling. It is one of the most entertaining sports to wager on just by the way the scoring frequency and just the overs and the unders. And then, you know, the fantasy deal. Fantasy's turned Golly. into it's turned into a gaming thing because you have daily fantasy drafts, and some of those guys play for money. Where you redraft a team every day. There's other other fantasy games that you can play where you have a budget and you got to buy X number of players. That's on DraftKings. It's on everywhere. Okay, and so it's major, major, big money. You know, so the NFL is profiting from it now. It doesn't change the fact that the NFL says no gambling, and I agree. I don't think players should gamble at all on professional sports i just don't so that's his nfl or excuse me that's his employer the nfl and when you work for someone you're subject to their rules whether you like them or not whether you even know them or not surely calvin ridley knew this rule everybody knows that rule so him making that wager absolute stupidity he should absolutely be punished and i think the punishment should be severe but a whole season? Yep. I mean, that doesn't seem fair to me. But you see, this is where I can't really judge because I don't really know. Okay, let me read this to you. And I got this from a Huddle Up email. I've talked about this email on this on this podcast before. I like Hud- the daily thing. Yeah, it's a daily deal that kind of intersects sports and business. I knew this would be the topic today, and it was. The discipline for a first offense DUI in the NFL is a suspension without pay for three games. Dude, drunk driving, a three-game suspension. I don't know. I mean, I guess gambling is quote-unquote worse because it, it could undermine the integrity of the game. But, I mean, DUI is a serious offense. Um I tell you what, it's not it's not related with the NFL though. Okay, that, that's fair. That's fair. Um, let's see the discipline for a first time PED performance enhancement drug violation. In the NFL is a suspension without pay for four games. The discipline for a first offense domestic violence incident. You roughing up your girlfriend in the NFL is a suspension without pay for six games. I'm sorry, domestic violence and. Gambling. I mean, like, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I think it. I, I don't think it's right. I, I, I don't think the length of his punishment is right. And and here's here's that an, could be true. Here here's another thing I'll, I'll throw out there. Ray Rice, and I don't know if you remember this guy. He was an amazing running back for the Baltimore Ravens. He was caught on camera brutally, 
brutally. I mean, I saw the footage brutally punching his wife in the she, elevator. Right. Right. She was knocked out, son. She was knocked out. And he drug her out of the elevator. The NFL had access to that footage, or maybe they claimed they didn't. There's no way they didn't, though. You know what his initial suspension was? What? Two games. Now that's crazy. The NFL, listen, unpopular opinion alert. I'm so sorry. If Henry Ruggs doesn't kill that woman, like if the exact same crash happens, even the fire part of it, but she gets out, he's playing football right now. That's facts. You can't tell me, you cannot tell me that what Calvin Ridley did exercises worse judgment than what Henry Ruggs did. They're both horrible judgment. One is horrible, horrible judgment with reckless endangerment that can cost and did cost lives. The other one is just an idiot throwing away $11 million. I don't know, man. I I, I feel strongly that this was... Unjust punishment. I, I think it was just way, 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 way too much. Maybe. Maybe. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we take a little break here, and when we come back, let's talk about some other things happening in the NFL. We'll talk about Jack's five stats, and then Jack will close the show with a quick SEC tournament, men's basketball tournament, that is, prediction. Okay? And we're back. Jack, do you care to... Pick this up and tell us about a couple of other interesting, very interesting, uh, I think, stories that happened in the, in the NFL today, Tuesday. Aaron Rodgers re-signed with the Packers. Four-year deal for $200 million. It's a lot of money. Russell Wilson to the Broncos. Drew Locke and Noah Fant to the Seahawks. Um, well, let's start with the Seahawks. We're, we're like, If you're DK Metcalf, how bummed out are you? If you're, if you're Tyler Lockett, how bummed out are you? You just got a pretty big downgrade at Signal Caller. I don't know what that trade was. I no. mean, they got a good tight end, and a decent tight end at best. I think that trade was Russell wanting to get out. And I think that trade, I mean, Russell has veto power of that trade. I think Russell kind of called a shot. I think he's um, in Denver. And I think, golly, I actually think this is great news for Denver. I mean, Jay Judy, right? I mean, Tim Patrick, another young receiver that is not very well known, but he's young. He's a great receiver. He had a great year. Who's their running back? They have decent running backs. Uh, Javante Williams, uh, Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon, yeah, exactly. You got uh, Cortland Sutton, who could be good. Yeah. And then you've got a pretty decent defense, including former Vol. A.J. Johnson, baby. That's right. A.J. Johnson. The Beast. Remember that? The Beast. Number 45. Is he still 45? I think he's still 45. You know, my buddy Geraldo Orta is a former Vol, primarily a special teamer, but golly, just a nasty athlete. He was just so small. Um, but, I mean, small by, by college football standards. He's not a small person. He's like 5'10". But, I mean, he's just an absolute, well, he's a wiry guy, but he's so strong. He was a trainer for a little while at PTI. And I, I love Geraldo so much. He's really tight with AJ. And I think that he's actually doing marketing things with AJ right now. Noise. Yeah, I think AJ's living his best life. All right, well, I, I, I can't wait to see what pans out in Denver. I'm sort of, I don't know, um, I guess intrigued by what's going to happen in Seattle. It could be the end, the beginning of the end for Pete Carroll. And uh, and then, yeah, I mean, Green Bay is kind of going to be the same old, same old, right? That's right. Yeah. All Hopefully right. maybe they can win a championship and not choke. You know. Speaking of not choking, Jack, you know uh, you know what's on the line right now? Jack Stats. Who wants Jack Stats? You want Jack Stats? Yeah, Jack Stats. 
It's your theme music, dude. It's been a while. In the last podcast or two, we've not gotten to Jack's Five Stats. Jack, this episode or this rendition of Jack's Five Stats, it's my favorite because I have zero idea what your five stats are. I love reacting to these stats we in got, real time. Yeah. We got quite a few ball hoop stats. Uh, that's very appropriate. Um, this is from Vol Scoops. Okay. For the fourth time in five years, um, Tennessee will finish their season with single-digit losses. Tennessee is the only SEC men's basketball program during that span that can make that claim. That is an outstanding stat. That is an outstanding stat. Great job on that one. Yes, I know. I I always do a stellar job. And that uh, that obviously speaks to Rick Barnes' consistency. Haters will say it speaks to his underperformance in the postseason. I think a little bit of both of that is true. But this is why I love Rick Barnes so much. Man, last five years, we've had something to talk about in March. That's not always been the case in Knoxville. All right, go on. Alrighty, this is from Vol Stats. Zakai Ziegler is only the fourth ever Vol to be selected to the SEC All-Defensive Team and only the first to do it as a freshman. I love it, but I can't stand that Josiah Jordan James is not on that team. He is a lockdown defender and our best defender by far on the team. It's not even close. Go so ahead. try and guess the other three people that the other three Vols that were listed as all, de- all SEC all defensive team. Wow. Um, hmm. You should know two of them. Okay. Uh, that's some pressure. I mean, Grant Williams, I don't think was a great defender. No. Um, I mean, Jordan Bone was not a great defender. Uh, oh, you're smiling, Jordan. Nope. All right. Uh, oh, I bet. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Hang on. Josh Richardson. He was nasty. He was long and lean. Nope. Get, yeah, yep. Okay. Okay. Good. 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 One right. more. Uh, um, let's see. Oh, it's pretty recent. Okay. Uh, Two timer. Oh my. Um, I just. 2020 and 2021. He was on the roster last year. You're killing me. Uh, it's, I, I don't know. Eve Ponds. Oh, my goodness. Shame on me. He was a nasty defender. The other one was Jay Jawan Smith. Oh, Jawan Smith. Yeah, he was. Okay, that was one of Bruce Pearl's first teams. And I'm going to talk about that team when we get to the SEC tournament. All right. My, my third stat is also from Vol Stats. Okay. Santiago Vescovy is the third Vol to... To cl- to be the first team all SEC honors under Rick Barnes. That's great. He joins Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield. I could have gotten that one for us with it, all right? I don't care. I just don't. So how about Santi was first team all SEC? He was. He was. Can't be first team. No, he really was. No way. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. This one's from Vol Report. Brandon Huntley Hatfield was 12 years old when John Fulgerson committed to Tennessee. (laughs) And I was 20. All right, that's good. Okay. I believe that brings us to number five. Jack, what is Jack's fifth stat? Uh, My fifth stat is Stephen Curry played the entire fourth quarter in the loss to the Mavericks. He did not attempt a single shot. It's the third time in his career that Curry has played an entire quarter without attempting a field goal. It's the first time he's ever done that in the fourth quarter. Hmm. That is, that's interesting. Nowhere near as interesting as the Tennessee Volunteer stats, but I like it. I like it. Okay. <laughs> you should have seen the look Jack just shot me. You killed it. You absolutely killed it. That was a wonderful SEC Tennessee Volunteer edition of Jack's Five Stats. All right, Jack, let's close the show with a little bit of a little bit more talk about the SEC tournament. And I want to focus on the one through the four seed. 
Auburn is your one seed. The Tennessee Vols are your two seed. Kentucky's your three seed. Arkansas is your four seed. I'm gonna I'm gonna start this segment by saying this. I I was happy that Tennessee was the two seed or whatever. I was confused, by the way, because I, I, I was confused as well. D- do you know why they're the no. two seed? Okay, because this is why Jack and I are confused, listener. Like Tennessee played Kentucky and got waxed, and then when Tennessee played Kentucky and Knoxville, we did wax them, but nowhere near as badly as they waxed us. I thought it went to point differential in a, t- in a tie, like that. It goes to so because Tennessee and, and Kentucky tied for yes, a second. Yes, it goes to what your record is against the number one. We were one and zero, and Kentucky was zero and one. Wow, that that's, that's something else. Yeah, Ryan Chumpert of Rocky Top Insider knew that because I asked the group, I asked a group chat that, and he immediately shot back. I'm telling you, that guy's an absolute encyclopedia. And if you like reading about Tennessee basketball, and I'm I'm sorry to plug Rocky Top Insider, but I'm more plugging Ryan Chumpert. He's such a good basketball beat writer. I mean, he's really killing it this year for Rocky Top Insider. All right, anyway. So when that came out, though, I was happy that Tennessee was the two seed. I got to admit, I, I didn't love being paired with Kentucky because the two, the two faces the three. I, I'm not scared of Auburn. Um, they're soft. Okay, we're going to talk about them in a second. I'm not scared of Arkansas. I'm more scared of Arkansas than Auburn, but I am not scared of Auburn. I, I'm gonna just going to tell you how I think this plays out. I think we beat we, – we play the winner of Mississippi State – and South Carolina. That's about the best draw you could have gotten. Florida's kind of a boogeyman for us. I don't I don't want any part of LSU, an angry LSU team in the tournament. Agreed. No um, Alabama. No Alabama either, exactly. You just named the three teams that I'm kind of like, about. Especially so, Florida. I'm scared of Florida. Yeah, anyway, you take those guys off the table. You've got two teams that we went 3-0 and against. We beat two of them on the road. Two of those three victories came on the road by Wax. sizable margins, exactly. Whack South Carolina. Yeah, so I'm not... Uh, like, I feel great about that Friday night game. I definitely think we're getting to Saturday basketball. We play Kentucky, and hey, who knows what will happen, but... If we beat them, I like our chances. Well, I I think the streak... Or I think we end there. I, I, I'll, I'll say this, though. I think that the one through four... I don't, I'm not looking for a lot of upsets in, in the SEC tournament. I think the one through four, I think those top four teams... I don't know. I think... I think there will be upsets, in my opinion. There's too many, like like our top eight teams, I think, all have a solid chance of making it to Saturday. I think... I, I dis- not, not, not... Okay. Let me rephrase myself. Okay. I think some of, like, the five through eight, what is it? Uh, it's got to be Alabama, LSU, South Carolina, and Florida. Yeah, the five, I don't the, think... The, I, the five through eight is LSU five. Alabama. Alabama six. South Carolina. Seven. A&M 8, Florida 9. Oh, Florida wow. played a little bit better toward the end of the year. Well, here's what I'll say. I don't think South Carolina has a chance. I don't even know if they're going to make it past Thursday. I think uh, I don't think A&M has one. I think Florida, LSU, and Alabama all have chances. I'll, I'll agree with you here. I think 1 through 4 is decidedly better than the rest. I think that Alabama's a dangerous team. I think that LSU is, I think LSU is a really dangerous team. Especially and, with that Will Wade junk. I don't even want to talk about Will Wade. But I, I I do think that that next tier, I think there's some dangerous teams in there that could make noise. I don't think they will make noise. I, I don't I don't see all four teams. I don't see the one through four seeds all being together in the semifinals on Saturday. All right, well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to tell you how I see it playing out, okay? I'm going to, I'm going to give you my – I'm going to give you my Friday, Saturday, and my Sunday. I think that Auburn is going to play Florida. 
and I think that Arkansas is going to play LSU. I think that Tennessee is going to play, I'm going to say South Carolina. I think Kentucky is going to play Alabama. I think Kentucky is going to move on. I think Tennessee is going to move on. I think that Auburn's going to move on, and I think that Arkansas is going to move on. But then I think that Arkansas is going to beat Auburn, and I think Kentucky is going to do it to Tennessee. And honestly, I think Kentucky is your SEC tournament champion this year. That's that's my prediction. Kentucky? Yep. All righty. Well, here's what I'll say. Okay. I will say – well, all righty. I'll say that – Yeah, just go Thursday. Alabama now. beats Vanderbilt, and I'll say LSU beats whoever. I'll say Florida beats A&M. Mm, I'll say South Carolina beats Mississippi State. So that that means you have Florida, Alabama, yep. Tennessee, South Carolina, Arkansas, LSU, Florida, Auburn. I have Florida upsetting Auburn. Oh, and you misspoke. You, you you have Florida, Auburn is what you have at, at the top. Yeah, so I said I thought. I thought you said Florida, Alabama. Go ahead. I'm Anyways, I got Florida upsetting Auburn. Wow. Uh, I'll That's take, bold. Yep. I'll take Arkansas against LSU. Okay. Tennessee against South Carolina. And I, I'll take Kentucky, but I think it'll come down to the wire between Alabama and Kentucky. Okay. So you've got basically Florida and Arkansas in your semis and Tennessee and Kentucky in your semis. What's your championship game? Um, Kentucky and Arkansas. Okay. And who wins it? Kentucky. Yeah, we've got the same championship game, and I tell you though, you you have Auburn bowing out early, and I'll I'll say this much for that prediction. I think, and I told you earlier in the podcast, I was going to talk about that early team with Juwan Smith. I think Major Wingate was on that team. Chris Lofton may have been on that team. Bruce Pearl took over a Buzz Peterson basketball team that was not very good, and Bruce Pearl encouraged those guys to play on the edge. Uh, Dane Bradshaw was on that team. If I hadn't said that name already, like what do you mean play on the edge? They just they they just played so hard, like all out hustle all the time. No shot was a bad shot. Just go 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 go. Just hey, you're on the autobahn and you're allowed to drive this car as fast as you possibly can. Don't worry about getting in any kind of wrecks. Just to put the pedal to the metal and go. And it kind of re- like he does now with this. With it's this guy. exactly what like it's no th- discipline. Th- that's. That's the way Coach Pearl coaches. Now, is he a good coach? Yes. Does he draw up great basketball plays? Yes. But he, one of the things that players will say about him is they love him because they just he lets them play so free. And with that, I feel the 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 word I use to describe Auburn's guard play is reckless. Okay. Look he, at Wendell Green. Whatever he shot, like seven threes from like half court. He shot a thirty five point three. 35-foot. Thank you. He, he attempted a 35-foot three-pointer. And it's like, dude, give the ball to number 10 and get out of his way. Like <laughs> They hadn't scored in like five minutes. Uh, Let me shoot a step back over to side it, Jordan exactly. James. It's like he can't feel the game. and it, it, I don't know. And like, then let Tennessee get a long rebound and break out for a dunk. But here's the deal. It, it served Coach Pearl well this year. It served him, generally speaking, well his entire career. But he's a better underdog than he is a favorite because he's he's always running and fighting and trying to prove something it's hard to be a favorite and you're seeing that with them this year they were dominant and you know what they've kind of limped across the finish line they've done what tennessee's done a couple of times under rick barnes That's right. not, not play their extreme. best ball at the end and, and at the at the end of the day 
the biggest differentiator in the NCAA tournament and SEC tournament is guard play. Okay, and I think Tennessee's got better guard play than they do. I think Arkansas's got way better guard play than they do as well. Uh, Kentucky's got got great guard play. Kentucky also has Schwebe or whatever his name is. Oscar. We'll just call him Oscar. Let's call him Oscar. He's an absolute stud. But it should be a great, great weekend of college basketball. Then we have Selection Sunday. Now, Jack, we're going to be on spring break, but we're going to take our equipment, and we're going to do – will you commit right now on on air to doing a Selection Sunday show? Yes. That's when we're going to come at you next – that will be your next chance to listen to According to the Osborns, yeah. According to the Osborns, yeah. According to the Osborns, yeah. According to the Osborns, yeah.